I know it's strange seeing me up here tonight. And it's strange me being up here tonight. You'd think after all these many years, just a few weeks out of the pulpit on Sunday night would, uh, would uh, make me jealous and want to get back in there. I'm afraid that I was going to lose my job and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, but uh, uh, this is a have-to case tonight. And, and I enjoy just preaching, just, just grabbing a text and take off with it. Well, man, what JT do to us? I ain't preaching on that, JT. I am, yeah, I am. I'm just kidding you. You know, um, if we take an in-depth study of God, we call that theology. And when we take an in-depth study of Christ, that is Christology. If we study the Holy Spirit in depth, we'd be talking about soteriology. If we should be talking about the church, we'd be talking about ecclesiology. And if we were talking about the days, the last days, the events of last days, we'd be talking about the last days. <laughs> Eschatology. But when I preach on Sunday night here, I thought it'd be good to talk to you about bullology. Take your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Exodus, chapter number 19. And I want you to look there for a little while. And I'm just uh, have nothing in mind tonight except just honoring the Lord and just going to ride back and preach a little while. I haven't been able to do that in a long time. I've been really uptight uh, of late and didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings and so forth and so on. Every husband in the house jumped on their wife as soon as they got in the church and I in the uh, car this morning about passing around pornography books. So uh, I don't know why I, I just mentioned that this morning. I had no reason to. There was something laying on the pulpit, and it just said pornography, so I thought I'd just say that. But uh, look in your Bible now. I want to show you something. Verse nine, Chapter 19, verse 1 two and three. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. And they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the Lord. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel. Now leave your place there for just a moment, and let's go to chapter 32. Chapter 32. 
Exodus chapter 32. Moses has now been in a mountain with God for some season. And the children of God has now come to a place where they have to wait on God. One of the most difficult things to do for us, I guess, is just wait. In the society in which we live, it is direct opposed to everything that we are taught from kindergarten up, waiting on the Lord. Verse 1, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we walk not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of, the, of your wives and your sons and your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods. O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose to play. Fits this generation, doesn't it? That's what life is all about. Eat, drink, play. I should be preaching out of that, but I'm not going to. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down for thy people which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Father, tonight we just, uh, in this brief time we have together tonight, uh, we would certainly appreciate your presence, your power, your conviction, yes, even your conversion. And so, Lord, I pray tonight that everything would be done and said tonight would be honored to you. And I pray that everyone that's here tonight can leave this place and say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I know most of you know all the events that has taken place up until our text. God's people has been in bondage in Egypt now for 430 years. You imagine now, away from the 
place of God and building the uh, pyramids and thank God for the commercials on television. They made a mistake. Uh-oh. And after 430 years, a deliverer was born. His name was Moses. Hid in the bulrushes. So conveniently that the daughter of Pharaoh, when she came down to bathe, so conveniently laid at a perfect place so that this good-looking male child would float by. She took him in and took him home and then hired Moses' mother to raise the child. What a coincidence. Isn't that a coincidence? And she raised him. And Moses was taught in all the sciences of Egypt. Did you know we still do not have a bombing fluid that would embalm a mummy? And they had it. We still do not have a machine to put the top rock on the pyramids, but they did it. Moses was educated in the sciences, mathematics of that great superpower. And by the way, America is not the only superpower that has ever existed. And she's going the way of a lot of other superpowers who are no longer superpowers today. And you can't spit in the face of God and mock the God of the universe and get away with it like our nation is today. And so a, a deliverer is born. His name is Moses. And God calls him to deliver his people. And he delivers the people. And they are now three months in their journey. And they come to the wilderness, Sinai. And as you have learned, Sinai is not a mountain peak. Sinai is the mountain range. Horeb is the mountain peak. Now that's where Moses found his cave, and that's where Elijah hid in a cave. And God led both of them to safety. And now the people of God, Israel, is in, has been delivered. And that's a picture of salvation. I believe that with all my heart. Israel is now in the wilderness, and I believe that's a picture of our post-salvation. Canaan, bless your heart, that wilderness is not heaven. Wilderness is a fight. Wilderness, and our life here is not looking for Canaan. We're looking for heaven. They had to fight to clear out all the enemies in Canaan. And so now we have arrived at Mount Sinai, and we have a brand new nation made up of about two and a half million slaves. Now, I don't know about your organizational abilities, and, but I do know about mine. I'm glad Moses had that problem. The only thing that you have as your church gets bigger is more and bigger problems. 
And so he's pastoring two and a half to three and a half million slaves. No nation, no military, no government, just a bunch of slaves. And a new nation needs new laws. And so they come to Mount Sinai in the plan of God. And in chapter number 19, they stop their journey. And Moses goes up into Mount Sinai. And there to receive the laws to govern this new nation. I don't know about you. But while Moses was meeting with God, the people were meeting with Aaron. They urged Aaron to establish a new religion. And um, I am of a persuasion, if you have a new religion, you probably need a new God. And if you have a new religion and a new God, you probably need a new form of worship. Which necessitates new music. And it will also necessitate a new Bible. Because if the old was good enough, they would not try to set up a new. Now, don't get tight, y'all, on me. I'm going to preach and have a good time. I'd hate to have be the only one who had a good time tonight. <laughs> you say, well, I don't know where you're going. I'm going to preach on bullology. And so if we have a new religion and a, a new word and a new leader, and we need a new God, we got to come to a conclusion on what's this new God going to look like? So I don't know uh, how you would come up with an image of a new God and then give him the praise for bringing you out of Egypt and sustaining you thus far. But that's how stupid people are. Maybe that's why God called us sheep. And you would think maybe I could suggest to you some things, if I could please. But if we have a new, new religion, and we have a, a, a new worship, and we have a new music, and if you don't know what the music is, where have they been for 430 years? Egypt. What color of people live in Egypt? Which one of Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, or Japheth, are the descendants from which son? Ham. Hamitic music is what they were playing at Mount Sinai. It probably resembled a contemporary 
music program. Noise and nakedness. Amen, Reverend. Verse 27, when Moses saw the people naked, dancing naked to hermetic music around a new God. Now, did uh, somebody spit in your post toasties before you come to church tonight? Did it say naked? Did it say dancing? Where did they come from? For 430 years, these people have been living in Egypt. They know nothing about Israel. They know nothing about David's star. All they've done is they've had their hearts hung on a willow tree. You say, that's talking about the Babylonian captivity. Well, if they would not sing a song in Babylon because it was a new song and a God song in a new place, a strange place, why would they play it in 430 years in Egypt? Well, now, lest I make anybody angry, new religion, new God, new music, new mythology. Bet you wish Andrew was preaching. So now, if we're going to find the shape in which we make our new God, may I suggest to you we've got to go back in our memory and maybe look someplace to find the image of our new God. Now, we've got the goal because the people left Egypt with a high hand and the Egyptians gave them gold to leave. And they had earrings and nose rings and belly rings and tongue rings and ringy-dingy-ring-ding-dings everywhere. Oh, we just ring-a-ding Christians. That's what we are. How would you like to eat spaghetti with a tongue ring? Shut up, Jim. Don't you get started. You'll get me in trouble. So now we can, we can go to the courtyard and look in the courtyards of all of Egypt and find maybe the image of our God. 
because in the courtyards they've got statues of pharaohs of past days and they've got pictures of lions and every kind of beast which symbolic of their religion and we could go to the courtyards I guess to get an image by which we could form our new God because if we have a new religion uh, we got to have a new God if Moses's God won't work then let's let's get Aaron's God and we could go to the courtyards and find one but uh, they didn't deem it so to go to the courtyard so since they didn't go to the courtyard surely we could go to the graveyards because look at those gigantic uh, spheres look at those gigantic pyramids and they were built just to put the pharaohs in because the pharaohs were worshipped in that day. We could go to Rome I suppose and, and find a Caesar that we could make us a god to look in the form of Caesar but we didn't go to the graveyard we didn't go to the courtyard we went to the barnyard and we found us a god we made us a God out of a, the barnyard. See, in the barnyard, you can go dressed as you like. Hello. You say, well, you'll make somebody mad. That's better than me staying mad. Barnyard. So now I guess if we have theology, Christology, eschatology, ecclesiology, superlapsarianology, soteriology, isn't it good tonight that we might talk a little while about bullock? Because it's all just a bunch of bull. There ain't nothing real about this. There's nothing powerful, nothing deity, nothing of holiness, nothing that speaks of righteousness, nothing that speaks of a creator God, nothing that speaks of the omnipotent Holy One, nothing! It's just a bunch of bull. That's what most churches are today. Just a bunch of bull. No soul winning. No separation. No living righteous. No missions. No stewardship. Nothing. Just meet and have a little bull session. You say, well, preacher, I just don't know if I like this kind of preaching or not. Well, buddy, I do. Bullology, number one, a religion that is convenient. Verses one through three, a convenient religion. Not Wednesday night. You guys still have church on Sunday night? You guys are fanatic. Do you need that much church? A convenient. They tired of waiting. They tired of looking for Moses. 
They tired, bless your heart, of doing it the old-fashioned way, waiting upon God to do something. Just a convenient kind of religion. See, verse 1, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together. Have you ever seen the people gather themselves together? And get them a, get them a real leader like Aaron, who is easily swayed. And he shall go before us. We need us a God. We need to make us a God. We want something that... Uh, doesn't require man to wait on God and doesn't require a commitment of our soul or our life, uh, no surface, uh, no service at all. It, it's just superficial, just surface kind of religion. And we can show up one hour on Sunday and we are great Christians. Well, you know, I don't think one hour a week would be enough for me. In fact, several hours a week seemingly not to be enough for me sometimes. And I read it and I pray and I try to seek the face of God and try to walk the way he'd have me to walk and try to grow in grace and try to do that. And about the time I think I'm there, up jumps the devil. Somebody cussed me out going down the freeway and starts waving their age at me. I've come a long way, baby. I haven't shot one yet. But it aggravates me when they do. And I know it doesn't you. I go through Burleson. Them little cameras on them stinking lights, they aggravate me. Not only do they aggravate me, they cost me sometimes. <laughs> and I, I just want you to know, God is not in the convenient kind of religion. It's not one of them, one hour a week is all we require. God requires complete commitment. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Whatever happened to that kind of stuff? I'll tell you why. We just got a whole lot of bullology on television. I mean, just a bunch of bullology. It, it, it is nothing but a bunch of bull. And some of you folks send your money to that bull stuff. What we want is a religion that don't cost us any money. We don't have to use any of our talent. Don't demand any of our time. We just want a convenient kind of religion. Well, that's the kind everybody's wanting today. I tell you, some of you folk would absolutely climb a wall if you had to run around with the preachers of 50 years ago. 
I hadn't been saved two weeks. I sat in my preacher's car one night. We'd been out visiting. And I was not called to preach at this time. I was just a businessman. and had some folks working for me, three shifts. And, and I started to get out of the car. And he said, Gene, could I say something to you before you leave? I said, yes, sir. He said, Gene, if you're not a soul winner, you won't be worth a dime to God. Good night, son. Sleep on that. Whatever happened to that kind of religion? Whatever happened to that kind of religion that cares about your next door neighbor? That cares about the one you work with? Well, preacher, it just hadn't been convenient for me to talk to him. Wait for him out in the parking lot. Put a note in their lunchbox. I'd like to see you after work. I'd like to buy you a steak. Convenient religion. What kind of religion do you have tonight? Is your Christianity just nothing but a bunch of bull? Does anybody in the world know that you are saved, separated, saturated, situated, and satisfied? Well, we better go on because they're about ready to kick off. I got one of those deals in my ear. <laughs> yeah. I'll keep you up with the score as we go along. Bullology. Y'all got the doors locked. We're going to take another offering, all right? Secondly, a convenient religion. Folk, I don't ever want this church to propagate a convenient kind of Christianity. God deserves our sacrifice. God deserves our commitment. Amen? Would somebody tell our visitors why we give it to Joshua Baptist Church? Yeah, we don't do it out of necessity. Why did you keep yours today then? That went over like a concrete cloud, didn't it? Convenient? Last Sunday morning, I preached. We had a visitor, missionary, visiting missionaries. We gave him $500. This dear lady started leaving, missionary for 51 years. You know what she told me? She says, a preacher, preaching like that, you're going to run all these folks off. I said, ma'am, preaching like that is the only reason these folk came. Whatever happened to the kind of folk won't hear the truth. Aaron, I tell you what you tell the people. Moses will be down after a while. Moses will be down... When God says, come down, and we've already had a God, we don't need another God. We serve the one and true God. Aaron should have opened his mouth instead of going along with a bunch of bull. You know what scares me? A lot of preachers that's raised on this ministry graduated from our seminary. 
slipping off into bullology. He got out from underneath the old man's wing and it began to slip. Always start with the music. Get that hermetic music going. Shake it, baby, shake it. Preacher, you ought not be so mean. The devil knows how to use music. And he's smart enough to not use lyrics, but use the beat and the rhythm and by which captivating and really in some music the beat is the message. You didn't know I knew that, did you? So, let's just stay out of bullology. You want to? Let's just not worry about it being convenient. Let's just worry about it being right. Let's just worry about it honoring God. Let's just concern ourselves about magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. And let's just tell people how big God is and how low man is and how that man needs to a Savior assures the world. Is that all right? Well, I think I'll preach next Wednesday Sunday night too since you've enjoyed it so much. Can I please tell you also that it was a compromise in religion? Yeah, it was a compromise in religion. The imagination of God merged with the revelation of God. The imagination of man merged with the revelation of God in verse number 1. The imagination of man merging with the revelation of God. Added revelations. Extended inspiration. It's a compromise in religion because it swerves around the Word of God. And this is all we need. Don't come up to me and tell me about a revelation you had or I'll give you tongues for your tummy. Amen, Reverend. Don't tell me about you going to bed last night and you waking up in the middle of the night and Jesus standing at the foot of your bed with an outdrawn sword. I'll tell you to quit eating pizza with anchovies before you go to bed. The imagination of man merged with the revelation of God and all of a sudden God is appearing to all these mega churches and mega ministries and God is doing extended inspiration and extended revelation. Well then God is showing preferential treatment because I read God I love and I've given him every ounce of my being for now on 50 years. Give my business away, all the new cars away, loaded four little kids in an old car and start off to seminary. And graduated 
and clothes fit for a beggar. Shoes so worn and tattered that I knelt low so the gown would cover my shoes. And God is revealing himself to a guy in a Canoran yacht in Florida? All because he's healing everybody of everything in the world and never goes to the hospitals. Bypasses the burn hospitals, the little babies dying with cancer, bald-headed and pooch belly, and that sorry devil's in a church taking big money, pretending he can heal folks in a wheelchair. I thought God showed no preferential treatment. Compromising. Compromising separation. Compromising all the things that's precious to God. The image of a calf They merged with the nature of God, verse 4. It was a religion of sight, but not of faith. It's just, may I say in closing, it's just a bunch of bull. You say, I've got friends that go to them kind of churches. I have a son pastoring one. Just a bunch of bulls. And put her down. We ain't going that way. Not one iota. I quit hermetic music when I got saved. I never could dance but I could sure act like it when I moved up here. Never could dance, but I could cause a lot of commotion when a guy turned his head and I hit him in the ear. Just, I quit all that, though, when I got saved. Too bad. We start letting the flesh lead us back and telling our errand to make us a God. Make us a God that'll make it convenient. And that I can live like I want to live. Drink what I want to drink. Go where I want to go and still be a good Christian. Now, don't you get fallen off into just a bunch of bulls. Would it be all for clothes? Well, he's never listed in all these years. I don't know why I should worry about it now. <laughs> I was waiting for you, dude. It's a counterfeit religion. Claim to know God without obedience to God. 
They honor me with my lips, but their heart. You tell me, what kind of heart that would resent going to church three times a week? You tell me what kind of heart it is for a Christian who never goes so winning or never hands out a track or never helps anybody in need or ever reaches in their pocket and just say, I believe God would have me give you this. I just wonder what kind of religion it would be just how happy you would be. Lastly, I want to close, and it's a corrupting religion. Notice the last sentence. They have corrupted themselves. The farther away from this book you get, the more like Hollywood you become. Now, don't you get that? Don't you miss that? The less you read this Bible, the more of what flesh likes to do becomes convenient. I remember a day when you would not even dare bring anything to drink in the sanctuary of a church. Now I see singers, they can't sing two notes without taking a drink out of a bottle this big of water. What did we do, my God, before they started selling bottled water? Wouldn't it be nice to see all these folk toting these bottled waters having a campaign around their neck? Are you going to die before you get to the house? You say it's healthy. My God, how did we make it for they bottled water? Come on, cut me some slack, man. I worked in the fields when I was a kid. I worked in a sawmill all stinking day long, off bearing slabs and tearing them top, throwing them off the end. I didn't have no bottle of water in my back pocket. Wait a minute, Cormac. Don't pull that lever. I've got to take a drink of water. That's <laughs> a bunch of bull. Andrew will be preaching next Sunday night. <laughs> I may not even have a job next Sunday night. Now, if we have theology, you guys ready to help me? And Christology, soteriology, ecclesiology, and eschatology. I bet you didn't know we have bullhorns. Something that's convenient. Hmm? Something that's corrupt. I close with these verses. I promise. If you would please look in your Bible to the same chapter. Unless you and I look over, if you would please. Over there, please, unless you and I look at some verses at the latter part of the chapter. 
The Bible said, and Moses stood in the gate of the camp, verse 26, and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from the gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. The children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord. I can't sing anymore. If I could, I'd sing, Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. <laughs> Can I have an amen? It was good for Paul and Silas. You believe that? It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. And it's good enough for me. And all of God's people said, well, won't you just quit goofing around? Let's go watch a ball game. Our Father tonight, it's with gratitude and joy and rejoicing we lift our voices tonight to praise not a God of good, but the God.